Have you ever been depressed? I mean, it seems like maybe nothing's going right. It doesn't like there's hope. You don't see anything for tomorrow. Everybody gets depressed probably at some time. I mean, I'm talking about right now clinical depression where you can't function, those kind of things. But everybody at one time or another, you see things and they, they, they just don't seem like it's going to work out. You get upset. Uh, you think there's bad circumstances. You're physically worn completely out. There, there seems to be opposition no matter where you turn. There doesn't seem to be any hope. And the problems come and they begin to wear you down. And sometimes instead of trust and obey, we just almost give up and we get angry and we're depressed. And sometimes that happens. I know in my life there's been some times where I, you almost feel like there's not really a hope or a future sometimes. And, and I've always been able to work through that. My personality is good in that kind of thing. But there are people I know that they go into depression and, I mean, they actually have to, and it's okay to get medicine. There's a, thing, there are a lot of people say, oh, if you really trusted God, you wouldn't need medicine. Well, God gave us medicine. But anyway, so, uh, you know, there are times when people get messed up. And uh, this morning, we're going to see Elijah, the prophet of God, probably one of the most famous key people in the whole Old Testament. I mean, when Jesus goes on the Mount of Transfiguration, who appears with Jesus on the Mount of Transfiguration? Moses and who? Elijah, this guy right here. And we're going to see what he does, what happens. This morning, uh, problems come into Elijah's life, and when they come, it's dealing with Jezebel. Elijah gets his eyes off of God and puts it on the circumstances, and sometimes that happens. Sometimes it happens. We begin to look at the circumstances, and he's depressed. In fact, he says, I would like to die. Uh, you know, we don't really, you know, when, when you say, I want to die, there's something wrong. There's things going on. A depressed person doesn't think very correctly. They have a false view of life. It's warped. Uh, I, in my life as a pastor, uh, I've had to deal with that. I think Susie probably much more than me when she was the counselor of people who took their lives. I've had several times in my life that people in the church that I was in before I came here, that they took their life. Uh, we had a 20-year-old college girl, and I, we have no, she gave no indication, and uh, she shot herself with a rifle. And, you know, her mama called me, and I had to be the one to tell her brothers and sisters. It was a hard time for me. Uh, you know, and you say, what, what, could have, what could have happened there? And sometimes we, in the midst of the world, we see the problems, no hope, nothing to live for, to escape the pain, escape the problems. And sometimes that happens. This morning we're going to see Elijah, the prophet of God, the man of God, and he's depressed. He's burnt out after a great victory on top of the mountain. He falls into the valley of depression. One of the things you have to realize is that oftentimes after something big, something big and great, sometimes we get depressed, you know, because our emotions go like this. We go, wow, this is, and then they go down. And sometimes as high as they go up, they go down. And we're going to see he cries out to God, take my life. And so as we continue this morning, we're going to see how all this ties together. They just had the contest of the two altars bringing down fire. Elijah spoke. God brought down the fire. The wicked king Jezebel, hearing all of this, has planned to kill him. And if you notice, look at 1 Kings 19. Look at verse 3. And he was afraid. This is Elijah. He was afraid and ran for his life, and he came to Beersheba, which belongs to Judah, and he left his servant there. He went himself a day's journey into the wilderness. He came under a juniper tree. He requested for himself that he might die. And he goes on to say, Lord, I'm, I'm, I'm not better than anybody. Just let me die. And so we see this. What happened? What happened? How do you go from a great victory to this? 
Well, you, you know, I mean, I'll even tell you this. Uh, Sunday is a big day for me, usually. I get to teach at least three times, and I mean, I love teaching the Bible, and so I get up and I do that first service, and I do the Sunday school, and then I do the second service, and I'm all pumped up, and it's a great day. And sometimes Monday is a down day because I've had a lot of emotion to this day, and the next day, sometimes I'll wake up and I'll go, I don't feel, I don't feel that great. And there's no reason for it. It's just I've had a big emotional high, and then you have the emotions go down. And I think this is what happens to Elijah. He had the greatest high you could just about high have. All he did was say, Lord, bring it down. Fire came, burn it up, kill them all. I mean, it was, the big, it was a big victory. And the people kept saying, the Lord, he is God. The Lord, he is God. So it was a great, great thing. Well, let's see what happens. Look at that. First Kings 19. Look at verse 1. Now Ahab told Jezebel all that Elijah had done and how he had killed all the prophets with the sword. Now Ahab goes to the wicked wife, and we've said this over and over. I think Ahab is bad, but I think Jezebel is much worse, and I think Jezebel is the one that causes most of the problems. She's from Sidon, Sidonians. They worship Baal. She brought Baal worship in, and so I just think that she's, I don't mean it's bad, bad but I think she's worse. Uh, I think she's uh, terrible. Now, how did it go when he told her? F.B. Meyer is a, was a pastor that lived uh, right around the turn of the last century, not, not back in you know, the 1900s. And he wrote down what it might have been like when Ahab told Jezebel what happened. Uh, it says, she said, how have things gone today? No doubt with the rain, Baal has spoken. So she's saying it's raining because Baal said, yeah. Uh, he says, I have to tell you something that it will not give you pleasure. Why? What has happened? Well, the worst has happened. What do you mean? Where are my priests? You will never see them again. Never see them again? What, what do you mean? Tell me quickly. They're all dead. By this time, their bodies are floating out to the sea. Who dared to do this thing? How did they die? Where is Elijah? That was F.B. Meyer's interpretation of what could have happened when... Uh, when uh, I, I'm going to tell you this, and I don't mean it badly, but Ahab is... I mean, uh, the, the king Ahab, he's not a very strong person. He's, he's not a leader. She's really the leader, and that's why the false teaching and, and the false doctrine has come into the, to the camp. We're going to see uh, in a couple of weeks that Ahab wants to buy a piece of land from a guy, and he won't sell it to him, so Ahab goes and gets on the bed and puts his face and goes, sucks his thumb. You know, that's how he is. She says, you want it? I'll go kill the guy for you. I mean, that's what she's going to do. I mean, that's the kind of person she is. So can you imagine Ahab going to her and saying, uh, Elijah called down fire from heaven that came up, and then they killed all the, killed all your prophets. So she's got a message that she's going to give to Elijah. Verse two. Then Jezebel sent a messenger to Elijah, saying, "So may the gods do to me, and even more, if I do not make your life as the life of one of them by tomorrow, about this time." She says, "You kill my prophets by this time tomorrow. If you're still here, you will be dead. I'm going to come kill you." Basically, she's saying, "I'm going to send people to kill you." Well, up to this time, everything's been <laughs> been pretty good, hasn't it? I mean, people have followed. The fire came down. And now here's the problem. And and so what is he going to do? I mean, if you think about it, sometimes everything goes great. You get, a, you get a raise, get flowers, something happens, and then the problems come. What do you do? Do we deal with it or do they deal with us? Do we trust God or do we get depressed? What happens to us is not nearly as important as what happens through us. And so what happens? The message I will kill you if you are still here tomorrow. That's from her. That's not from Ahab. Ahab ain't going to, let me just say this, he's not going to do anything. She's the, she's the boss behind the project. 
So confidence. What's he going to do? What is Elijah's response? Well, when he went to Ahab, he trusted God. When he went by the brook, he trusted God. When he was with the widow, he trusted God. When he was on the mountain, he trusted God. But what does he do now? He was afraid and he fled. Verse 3 again, he was afraid and rose up and ran for his life and came to Beersheba, which belongs to Judah, and left his servant there. Now, what we would have thought he would have done would have said, you tell her she can come anytime she wants to. I'll bring, God will bring fire down on top of her if that's what he wants to do. That's what we thought he would do. I mean, because we've seen him all the way through pretty much trust God in everything, and he doesn't. And sometimes in our lives, we would think, well, I, I thought they would do this, or I thought I would do this. I thought I'd be better than this. I thought I wouldn't get depressed. I thought I wouldn't get down about this. I thought I would trust God in something like this. Sometimes we fail. He ran away. And look what it says. And he was afraid, and he rose and ran for his life, and came to Beersheba, which belongs to Judah, and he left his servant there. So he had somebody with him, and when he gets down to Beersheba, he goes off by himself. He leaves the servant. Well, let's talk about it. He goes to Beersheba. Where is Beersheba? Let me show you something. He's been right up in here, okay? This is where they've been. He goes all the way to the south. In fact, it's the southernmost part. They used to say, if they were going to say the whole land of Israel, they'd say from Dan to Beersheba, and they meant the whole land. Dan is at the northernmost part. Beersheba is the southernmost part. So he goes all the way down. And by the way, this is wilderness area. I mean, this isn't, you know, ponds and trees and anything. This is out in the middle of basically nowhere. And it says he goes to Beersheba, and he left his servant there, from a great high to a great low. I bet you if I asked you to stand up individually and say, have you ever gone from a great high to a great low? Have you ever had something that rocked you that you said, I don't know what I'm going to do. I, 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 I wish I wasn't even alive. I wish, you know, and, and this is what Elijah says. And, and in fact, he fled and, uh, a guy by the name McNeely writes this. He says, this chapter is very practical because it furnishes us with a reminder that depression can follow a great victory in God's work. You can do something great for God. I mean, God can use you and something big happens, and then you can get depressed. And we all say, well, that's not supposed to happen. And I told you a lot of times on Mondays, I just don't have much energy anymore. And you know me, I pretty much have energy all the time, right? I mean, even when I'm sleeping, I have energy. So, I mean, think about it. So look, look at verse 4. He leaves his servant, and then look what he does. He went off by himself a day's journey into the wilderness. He's out of nowhere. Came and sat down under a juniper tree, and he requested for himself that he might die and said, it's, It is enough now, O Lord, take my life, for I am not better than my father's. He basically goes off by himself leaves his servant and says, just let me die. Basically, just kill me. I, I don't, I'm not better than my father's, meaning that I, I'm not any better than anybody else. I, I've not really done anything. That's how, we, that, see, that's how we look at it. I've not done anything. What has he done? I mean, he's trusted God by the brook. He raised the widow's son from the dead. He helped feed all the people. He had the big victory. And he's saying, I, I, I've done really nothing. And see, that's wrong thinking. There's some of you in this room who think you've done nothing. God has used you in amazing ways at different times, and you think you've done nothing. And, and you say, I don't know why God even lets me live. He says, I would like to die. Let me say this. Aren't we glad that God doesn't answer all our prayers? 
Because <laughs> sometimes I say, that's enough, Lord, I'm through. And he says, no, you're not. No, you're not. I'm not answering that prayer. And so let's look, and, and, and just in the time that we have remaining, we don't have to go into a lot of detail, but we're going to look at what I, I look at and say, what are some things that bring about depression? Okay? And then next week, as we study through this passage, we see that God does six different things in Elijah's life. And I'd say it this way, to get him out of the depression. And when we look at this next week especially, we could say, here are some things maybe if we get depressed we could do or think or understand. Or maybe if we know somebody that's going through some things, maybe we could, you know, uh, help them. Help them by, by doing some of the things in this passage. I've taught this passage before, so if you've been at the church any length of time, you've, you've heard me teach this passage. I've taught it at a retreat one time. I, I was doing a retreat on the life of Elijah, and I, I did, you know, the one thing, and then I did the fire down heaven, and I was going to do the last message was going to be the, the taking off in the chariot. And I thought, well, why don't I just do this thing on depression? Most people aren't going to like it anyway. I mean, I'll just do it and get it over with. It was the most popular one there. We had more people come up after that one saying, that helped me so much. Because the Bible is so powerful. Well, let's look at it. I, I see here's some things on depression. What, what, what are some things that cause it? That we see the circumstances rather than the promises. We see the problems and not the promises. Elijah saw Jezebel and her threat rather than God and his power and protection. Now think about that. We see the world, we see Satan, we see the enemies, we see people, we see all the things piling up, and we get all down and upset and bothered rather than seeing our God and our Savior. Think about this. When events come into our lives, it's easy to look at the trials and the problems and forget about the promises from the Word of God. Who raises up kings? God does. Think about that, because I know what some of us are thinking. And we're looking at our world, and we're looking at our country, and we're looking at our culture, and we're looking at all the virus, and we're looking at all the stuff, and, the, and all the things in the world, and we're going, boy, I don't know what we're going to do. We're not going to make it. We're, getting all, we're looking at what? The circumstances rather than the promises. We have a promise that he'll never leave us or forsake us. We have a promise that he is our strength and our shield. We have a promise that the word of God is alive and powerful and sharpening to his sword. We have a promise that we proclaim the message and people can put their faith in Jesus Christ. So anyway, it's, it's easy to look at the problems. Uh, I always think of Peter walking on the water. You remember? Jesus is walking on the water. He's going by the boat. I love this passage because it happens at about 3 o'clock in the morning. They have been out on the Sea of Galilee for nine hours. It should have taken them about two, two and a half hours to go across. They've been out nine hours, and they're just now to the middle. They've fought. They've struggled. I mean, trying to row, and, and here comes Jesus walking on the water, and I love it because the Gospel of John says he was walking as if he was passing by. Like, how y'all doing? It's been tough, hasn't it? And, he, and, he, and they all holler, and he says, it's me, don't be afraid. Peter says, if it's really you, let me come out. And he says, come out. And Peter's walking on the water, but it then says what? When he saw the wind and the waves. He was looking at Jesus, and then he saw the winds and the waves. And when he saw the winds and waves, he began to, to, to sink. And so Jesus pulled him up. The truth is, when we look at the wind and the waves, we're going to always sink. When we look at Jesus, we're going to be okay. So when the events and trials come in our life, it's easy to look at the trials and problems rather than the promises. So we've got to keep the focus on Jesus. So the first thing I think that brings about depression is we start looking at all the things about the, all the problems, all the issues, all the things that are going on in our lives. The second thing is I think it's wrong thinking occurs. And this is where Elijah says, I'm worthless, let me die. Now, Elijah is worthless? 
one of the most famous people in the whole Bible. If you go through the Bible and you ask Jewish people who don't have any New Testament, and you say, who are the key people in the Old Testament? They will say, Abraham, David, Elijah, Moses, Daniel. Elijah is one of the top five in their minds. Uh, with Jesus on the Mount of Transfiguration, Moses and Elijah. What does Elijah say? I'm worthless. Let me die. What does he say? Oh, Lord, you might take my life. It's enough now. I'm not better than my fathers. I'm not better than anybody. And sometimes we say, there's no sense in me living. Nobody will care if I'm gone. Listen, I, I kill myself and they won't even care. Nobody will even care. Nobody will even miss me. I don't care. Listen, who are we? We're God's children. It's wrong thinking to think you don't matter. It's wrong thinking to think that you're not important. You are the most unique person in the world. There's nobody like you. God made you especially the way he wanted you to. He gave you your mind, your emotion, your will. He gave you all of those things. You are unique. Then there's nobody like you, and there'll never be another one like you. And when you say you're worthless or that it doesn't matter whether you live or die, you're saying to God, you created me and you redeemed me, and you can use me, but I'm not worth anything. And he says, I, everything I make is good. Everything I do is good. I'm the creator of everything. We are God's child, children. And let me just tell you that uh, when we start thinking wrong thinking, and we start thinking we don't matter, you know, you, sometimes you've known people who've taken their life and you say, how could they think that way? They had so much to live for. We all loved them so much. It's because they don't see that. They don't think that way. They've lost, they got wrong thinking. And that's why we got to think right. And that's why we got to help people think right. Who they are. He loves us with an everlasting love. He loves us. Listen, if we all mess up, and we do, does, he, does his love change? Listen, if you sin right now, does he stop loving you? Does his love lessen a little bit? His, his love never changes. We've got to understand that, that no matter what we do, whether we're doing great or not doing great, he loves us with an everlasting, unconditional love. F.B. Meyer said this, it is not difficult to believe that God loves us when we're singing and serving. That's a Sunday morning. We're sitting here singing. I'm sitting here singing these songs. Yeah, they're great songs, but it's hard to believe when we feel exiled by our sin, when we think we messed up, when we think nobody cares, when we think there's nothing for us anymore. So we've seen that uh, we look at the circumstances rather than the promises. We have wrong thinking. The third one is there's just physical and emotional exhaustion. Many times after great victory, there's a letdown physically and emotionally. I mean, what happened to Elijah? You know what he did? He got on that mountain, right? And he made fun, and he made, did all this, and he stood strong, and fire came down, and they wiped out those people. And then you remember, he said, it's going to rain, and he prayed all those times, seven different times, and then it rained, and then God's power came upon him, and he ran 20 miles faster than a chariot, outran the chariot. You think he's tired? You think he's worn out? He's had the greatest victory, and, and he's emotionally and physically exhausted. He is. And sometimes in our lives, we do, we're do we working on some project, we're working on some deal, and we wear ourselves out, and then we wonder why we don't feel good. And it's both emotional exhaustion and physical exhaustion, and it can happen. 
And every one of it's happening to him. He's looked at the problems. He's, he's not thinking right about himself. He's completely worn out. And then here's the fourth one, and that there's isolation. Elijah got by himself and left his servant. If you remember, it says in verse 3 that he got to Beersheba and left his servant there, and he goes off by himself. When we get depressed, do depressed people want to be around a bunch of people? No. I had a friend that, uh, well, I had somebody that he was, he, he was married to somebody, and the person he was married to would get depressed. And I'd go visit, and she would stay in the bedroom, and she never came out. Never came out. No matter who came over, she never came out. She never came out of that bedroom. She didn't want to see anybody. She didn't want to, didn't want to talk to anybody. She just didn't. And uh, that's what depression does, because when you're depressed, you just want to be by yourself, so to speak. You, you're not worth anything. Nobody cares anything about you. You want to be by yourself. You see all the problems. You're worn completely out. You don't see a hope of a future. And so when we look at the life of Elijah, we see all those things. He was seeing the problem of Jezebel rather than God's promises. He was wrong thinking. He's a prophet of God and been used mightily, and he thinks he's worthless and he wants to die. We've seen that he's physically and emotionally exhausted, a great high on the mountain, and then running 20 miles and everything else. And then finally, he's, he's in isolation. He's left everybody. The only person he had with him was that one servant, and he's left the servant there. In our lives, we can do it, and we've got to be very careful because we can overdo it physically and emotionally. We can have a great high. In fact, if you have a great high, what should you expect? A low. You should expect a low. And when you have the low, you say, it's nothing. It's just, you know, I'm, I'm just tired. Uh, my emotions were up, now they're down. We don't want to think wrong about who we are. We don't want to remove ourselves from others. We don't want to only see the problem. So depression, look out for it. Realize it. Now, next time, we're going to see what God did for Elijah. I think you're going to love it. Uh, it's, it's powerful what he did. And you're going to see how it fits together. So let's think about this. First of all, let's recognize depression. Let's recognize it. It can come, expect depression after great highs. Be aware that it could come. And, and there, in our lives, I guarantee there are going to be times that something great is going to happen, and you're going to be a part of it, and you're going to go, this is one of the greatest days of my life. And then there's probably going to be some lows after that. And you should expect it. And you should say, there's nothing wrong. I should expect a, a, a low after a high because I'm an emotional person. And when you go way up, you go way down. You know, that's just that's the way it is. The second is know the signs. You're looking at the problems. You got wrong thinking about yourself. You're exhausted. You're worn out. And you're isolation. Look at those signs. Be really careful. Because you can put yourself in that kind of situation. And then the, the other application is this. Let's realize that depression can happen to anybody, anyone. I mean, would you think, if you hadn't known this, would you think that Elijah would get depressed and run off and want to die? No, you'd say, man, Elijah's tough, man. He, he just wiped out 450 prophets of Baal, stood in honor for God. He's raised somebody from the dead. He made, you know, I mean, he's just, I mean, he's on top of the world. It can happen to anybody. And we all know people. I've known people in our church, in our church, who get depressed, and they won't come out. They won't talk to anybody. I've tried to call people. To, you know, I'll talk to them. Sometimes they'll, sometimes they'll talk. Sometimes they won't. We know what's going on, and sometimes people will get help, and sometimes people won't. So we want people to get help. Realize it can happen to anyone.